Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report here on a very big Thursday for us in Studio B at the headquarters of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Got a great show for you on this Thursday. Thursdays always treat us so well. And uh, today is a no doubt a must-listen, of course, on this podcast. The voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, joins us. Uh, and the uh, voice of the television side this weekend, Kevin Burkhart from the NFL on Fox, also here today on this Thursday. It's our visit with the voices. And then on the NBA side, we go big time as well. 3D is here. That's right. Dennis Scott, NBA TV analyst, is in to talk Pelicans and NBA in general on this very Thursday. So, a big show, and uh, certainly we're very, very excited. Uh, by the way, I, I watched the CMAs last night. Boy, what a mistake that was. Uh, number one, uh, and maybe just because I've been away from a television for a couple of days, but number one, I saw Christmas commercials for the first time last night, uh, and that would have been, what, November the 5th? Today's the 6th? Yes, November the 5th. So there was that kind of punch in the gut. And then the realization that I'm just flat tired of Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert and, um, and whoever the sound guy was for that show ought to be fired. And there was probably something better to watch last night. Like, I don't know, maybe the Utah Jazz knocking off the Cavaliers or perhaps the Los Angeles Clippers getting smashed by the Warriors last night. Or perhaps maybe I would have been better off watching two guys play catch. But um, I was a good husband, good dad. Um, watched the CMAs last night, so I hope you'll give me a pass on that one. I did do some studying for today's show, a little bit, and uh, we'll see if it shines through or not. The injury list for the New Orleans Saints and the, Saint, uh, the San Francisco 49ers came out last evening. You'll want to check that out if you haven't done so already. It's all over the place, obviously, but don't forget your go-to spot is the Saints app and, of course, the website, NewOrleansSaints.com. Today, we're going to keep an eye on that list, and John DeShazer and I will have a report after practice on the website and on the app. Uh, certainly want to keep our eye on Zach Streif in particular, um, also notably absent from practice yesterday, and uh, but I'll not too surprised was Kyrie Robinson and Pierre Thomas. So 
We'll keep an eye on that for sure. The 49ers are traveling tomorrow, by the way. They will be in a day early for the kickoff on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And we also should note the uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Junior Gallette. And we should also note on the Pelicans side that the uh, Pelicans will take on a San Antonio team on Saturday night that now is a winning team as they won last night to go to 2-1. and one. They have a big game against undefeated Houston tonight. Those are just a couple things in the notebook real quick. Uh, let's see. I will tell you more about Monty Williams' show tonight and a big guest for tomorrow's show before we get out of here on this Thursday. But we want to jump right into our guest here on our Visit with the Voices Thursday, Jim Henderson and then Kevin Burkhardt, and we'll jump to the basketball side and catch up with Dennis Scott here in just a moment. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Don't miss country music star Charlie Pride at Beau Rivage on Friday, November 7th. Share a unique musical journey and a night of hits with the amazing Charlie Pride. Visit BeauRivage.com for tickets. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, time to crank it up here on the Black and Blue Report. As always, it's our Visit with the Voices segments on Thursdays. Uh, a little bit later, we'll do Kevin Burkhardt from the NFL on Fox, but always batting leadoff for us is the voice of the Saints. Jim Henderson joins us here from an undisclosed location, of course, in full preparation for Sunday's Saints and 49ers game. Hello, Jim. Hello, Sean. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, and uh, three straight at home for you now. Of course, now that I've traveled with you a little bit, I know the Saturday night routine, which is a, a key bonding experience, obviously, for your crew. Uh, more fun for me to listen to the stories. But um, I've never asked you about your home Saturday night routine. How different is it? It's very quiet. I'll be up in Mississippi. I'll be watching LSU and Alabama, try to get to bed by um, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, get up at 6, travel back to Mandeville, get ready for the game, and be in the, the Superdome about 9.30 in the morning. Now, is there a superstitious uh, home Saturday night meal as you're partaking in the football on Saturday night? Nope, none whatsoever. Just a very quiet night. Um, yeah, I know you realize this as well. You work all week for this, and you don't want to blow it on just uh, staying up too late or enjoying yourself too much on a Saturday night. And um, so I'm very controlled on Saturday nights, particularly at home. This is wisdom, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You've never been really – you don't strike me as a guy who's superstitious really in any way, but maybe you're. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say that I am whatsoever. There's a routine that I like to be a part of, but I, I'm never so 
anal to think that, gosh, if I vary from that routine at all, I'm going to have a terrible broadcast or the team's going to lose the game or it's going to be a, a bad Sunday afternoon. So I try to be fairly rational about things. Whether it be Hokey Guyjohn or Archie Manning or Hank Stram or any of the other partners you've had, have they ever been that way, though? I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, um, Hokey's kind of... Hokey gets the heebie-jeebies sometimes, but he's more like me. He just wants to have his routine set and doesn't want to vary from it. Uh, lots of times there's family involved that maybe get you off your routine a little bit or get you to the Superdome a little bit later than you expect to be, and nobody likes that sort of thing. But eventually, you know, when uh, it's the same with you. When, when you get in the booth with John or whomever, once you get in that booth, it's almost like getting into a cocoon. It's, it's family, and it's people you know. And it's people that uh, you respect and you know will um, have your back if things are a little untoward. Yeah, that makes a total sense. I, I, I can identify with that. That's for sure. Uh, Jim, you know, a different feeling when I saw you, I guess it was yesterday. Yes, yesterday. Uh, a different feeling on this particular Wednesday than some of the earlier Wednesdays in the season. If you look now at the last two games for the New Orleans Saints, other than you won the game, um, what's different? Mm-hmm. What's different about this football team now here in early November as opposed to September? Well, I think the way Sean put it yesterday, you know, everybody wants to paint the 49ers as a desperate team right now, and he went out of his way to say, look, we're both 4-4. Four and four. Somebody's going to be 4-5. and five. Somebody's going to be 5-4. and four. But they're no more desperate than we are. So they've lost two straight. They're coming off a terrible game against the Rams and one of the toughest losses I think you'll ever see a team endure. Meanwhile, the Saints are playing their best football, come off a comfortable victory over Carolina. So the tone he has to set is to make sure that the team is as focused with a two-game winning streak as they might have been earlier in the season when they got off to such a bad start and uh, prepare the Saints for a team that in the 49ers um, really have to start turning things around if they're going to fall out of the the uh, playoff race already midway through the season. And with that desperation being said, um, what has that desperation fueled on the Saints side as far as um, is it the Mark Ingram factor? Is it the fact that maybe the defense looks uh, more together? I, I guess I'm looking for that observation as far as what will you put your finger on as regard to the turnaround? I'd say it's the defense. Uh, certainly Mark has been a huge part of what's been going on offensively, and he's brought some of the swagger back to that offense they were missing. But I really think that the difference has been the defense. And, you know, in preparing for this game, uh, to me it almost seems like in Colin Kaepernick you're sort of facing a Cam Newton situation, a guy who perhaps has plateaued a little bit and perhaps defenses have caught up to him, a guy that maybe in some ways you fear more running the football than you do passing at this point. And um, they've been all over the Niners out on the West Coast for the way they lost that Rams game, that they've lost their identity, that they've gotten away from the power running game that suits them so well, they've gotten too cute. Kaepernick's throwing the ball way too much. I think they threw it 41 times and ran it 21 against the Rams. And he was sacked six times in the first half by a team that only had six sacks coming into the game, eight times overall. He's been he's gone down 22 times in the last two losses against the Broncos and the Rams, and he's been sacked 27 times overall. That's the worst in the NFL. So uh, I think in some ways uh, you see a Colin Kaepernick that perhaps uh, – somewhat mirrors this, the, the problems that Cam Newton endured against the Saints and has endured recently. Well, that is interesting there. Um, with all that being said, if you were to start to stack up this unit versus that unit, uh, this uh, particular phase of the game versus their phase of the game, um, what, what if you were to start poking around and looking for the pressure point or the weak spot, um, what's the thing that gives first and maybe hinges 
uh, has a lot to do with the hinging of the game this week, Jim. Well, I always look at the offensive lines of the two teams, and the Saints' offensive line, uh, particularly if Zach Streep is able to play, has really been a strong point for this football team. Meanwhile, the 49ers' offensive line just doesn't look like their old offensive line. Uh, Joe Staley at left tackle had a really rough time with Robert Quinn a week ago. Mike Upati's not playing as well at guard. At center, they've had to play a rookie, Marcus Martin, their third-round draft choice, who made his NFL debut against the Rams and was just chewed up. They've lost their starting center, Daniel Kilgore, for the season. Uh, he's got a fractured leg. Alex Boone, their right guard, held out of camp. Everybody thinks he's rusty and not the player that he was. And then you got Anthony Davis at right tackle. So uh, the offensive line of the of the 49ers um, is certainly not what the Saints have been used to seeing. Not, not that they won't be on Sunday, but they're not the unit that the Saints have, have encountered the last two times that the 49ers have come here. Do you know how many Saints 49ers games you've called, Jim, off the top of your head? Wow. No, I'd have to go back and check. You know, they used to be in the NFC West together, so there were always two games a year. Yeah. And, of course, that's when the Niners were so good in the Montana Walsh years and Seifert to follow. So um, it usually wasn't a very happy outcome when the Saints had to take on the 49ers twice a year during those days. And then when they split them up, it's kind of an oddity that the Saints will be facing them for the third straight year in the Superdome, and certainly they're an excellent football team, having gone to the NFC uh, Championship game the last two years. So um, they're a very tough, te- a very tough team to play against. But I would say that the Saints' record against them, uh, since I've been with them, is a uh, very much sub 500. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if there was one or two that stuck out in any way that just still burns in your memory, whether it be good or bad. Well, you know, we were talking last week before the Saints went to Carolina and the Panthers using those four undrafted free agents um, that they, they had to employ, along with one guy that uh, was a veteran in Ryan Khalil, the center. And we made mention of the fact that uh, back when Hokie was playing, I think it was 1985, Bum was still the coach, and the Saints had lost three starting linemen uh, the week before against Tampa and went out there and beat them. And we were trying to recall the three guys the Saints got, and I think they were Chuck Comiskey, uh, Jim uh, Rhodes, something like that. Uh, Jim Rhodes, I think it was. And uh, and then they had uh, Comiskey, they had Jim um, that they'd gotten off the, the, the street. And it was Petey Perot from northwestern Louisiana. So those guys, uh, those guys were taken off the street, went out to San Francisco and beat a very good 49er team. Uh, as the Saints won that game to climb to, I think it was two and three on the season, on their way to a five and eleven campaign. Wow, that's pretty, I'm not only impressed by that effort, but I'm also impressed by uh, your recall of that particular meeting uh, some thirty years ago, almost now. Jim, when uh, when folks turn on the radio this Sunday, or they uh, sit down in their seat, uh, or rise for the national anthem, uh, if you could give them the most important thing, what should they have first and foremost in their mind as they watch this game on Sunday or listen to it? Well, it's usually controlling the quarterback, and I think they have a great opportunity to do that in Colin Kaepernick. Uh, this team, the 49ers, they're either going to rally around him and uh, rally around their somewhat embattled coach and their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, or if uh, the, the recent performance of them has been perpetuated in the course of this game by the Saints, uh, the Saints are going to come away with a victory and uh, and run their record to 5-4. and four. You know, it'll be the first time the Saints have had a winning record all season long. I would really love to see that as we talk next week. And certainly we were all talking, what, just a week or two ago about that unlikely sweep that would see LSU beat Ole Miss and then the Saints to win two. 
maybe we'll have that sweep again this weekend, Jim. That would be wonderful for everybody involved. Absolutely. Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson. He'll join, of course, Christian Garrick and Hook Guy Jean on the Saints Radio Network this Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We're going to continue our voice uh, visit with the voices here on this Thursday in just a moment as Kevin Burkhart from the NFL on Fox jumps in with us. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the program. Our visit with the voices here on Thursday continues with, uh, well, a great friend of the Black and Blue Report. That, of course, is Kevin Burkhart from the NFL on Fox. And we get a double dip here with Kev, I think, because not only is Kevin Burkhart calling the uh, Saints and uh, 49ers this weekend, Kevin, I think you had 49ers Rams last weekend too, didn't you? I did. I did, as a matter of fact, yeah. So I got a, got a little Niner scouting for you. <laughs> well, good, because, uh, A, it makes your game prep a little bit easier. But, uh, but B, you can help us understand a little bit about where the 49ers are now at 4-4 four and four and what has happened to them in the last two weeks. Well, I, I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. I think, you know, before the bye, they went to Denver and they got annihilated. And I think that quite honestly, anybody was going to get annihilated that night. You know, Peyton Manning was going for the record. Um, Denver just looked great. Uh, Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware just ate alive. The Niners offensive line, they sacked Kaepernick six times. It was the perfect storm. And they were banged up and they went into the bye. And, you know, just by looking at things and, you know, talking to those guys and seeing those guys get healthy and know that they're going to get healthier in the coming weeks, you just you kind of felt like they were ready to take off after the bye. You really did. They all felt really good about it. Um, I think they felt like some of the things that had plagued them came into place. And then they go out, and they weren't very good against the Rams. And the defense is fine. The defense has not been a problem, you know. And that's the thing, Sean. You know, despite all the talk about missing Navarro Bowman, who's great, and missing Alden Smith, who is, you know, their best pass rusher, really their only true pass rusher. Um, has that hurt them? Yeah. But their defense is still second in the league. So, really, the problem is not that. The problem is that their offense has been um, incomplete. I mean, they are not the grinded-out, down-your-throw running scheme that they have been under Jim Harbaugh at all. Number one, they're running it less. And you can, un- you can understand that from the sense that they have uh, a lot more weapons than they've ever had. Their wide receiving group is the deepest it's been, I think, under Harbaugh. But at the same time... It just seems like there are key spots where, A, they're, they're not running it where they used to, and, B, 
I don't think the offensive line is playing nearly as well as it used to, too. So those are the big factors with that. The O-line play, which has now allowed 14 sacks the last two weeks, and being able to run the football down your throat, which right now they're not doing. Is it play calling, or are they wanting Ka- uh, Kaepernick here to maybe be more of a, a pass-throwing quarterback? Well, I, I think you know. I, I think it's kind of hard to say for for this reason. You know, clearly last week, the way the Rams were getting after Kaepernick, you know, and, and look, he made a few mistakes. He held on to the ball at times, but he got sacked six times in the first half. I, I think it's hard to call a lot of your plays and really feel confident in the offensive line blocking it up when that's happening, Sean. You know, so I don't know if it's uh, play calling. I don't. I think it's probably a combination of both. You know, I feel like. There's part of it where they're trying to save Gore a little bit. There's part of it where they're trying to make Kaepernick develop a little bit more. But then there comes a time like now when they're really – this is a humongous game for both teams, but especially them, the way the Cardinals are playing. And and I feel like they got to get back to their roots if they're going to have success. Let's go back to that defense because I think you're dead on. I think that defense has been just just fine. And, and, and I am surprised a little bit with some of those pieces missing. So so what is it, Kevin, about the 49ers defense that's kept them, I guess, afloat at this point? Well, they don't miss tackles. I mean, they, they don't make mistakes. You know, they don't miss tackles. They are very, very sound. And, and while even though without Smith, they don't have like that true pass rusher, they generate enough. You know, Justin Smith is playing well again. They've got good play out of Ian Williams in the middle of nose tackle. And even though Willis has been out of linebacker, <laughs> this kid Borland, who came out of Wisconsin as a tackling machine, had 18 tackles last week. Um, so they're, they're getting plenty of good play. Also in the secondary, too, Antoine Bethea has come over from Indy and, and at safety. He's playing extremely well. Um, so defensively, they're just sound, Sean. You know, they're, they're really sound in, in all the areas, and they're only going to get better. So their D will keep them in the game. Throw out that Denver game, like I said. That was just kind of one of those things. Yeah. Um, it's it's their offense. That's really what the deal is here. Uh, yeah, and I'm and I'm totally agree with with you on the whole Denver situation. Uh, Kevin, I'm not so sure fans really truly realize what kind of access you all get as the network broadcast crew, as far as time goes with the team, um, access to the head coach. When you were with the 49ers last week, and I know you'll visit with them again here this week. Did you see or feel this inner strife that's being talked about nationally with them? No. No, uh, we did not. That, look, that's not to say that it doesn't exist, but you know, we were talking about this, and it didn't make the broadcast just because the game was so tight and we just never went there. But whatever there is inner strife, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that in most cases, there, in most good teams, there is strife between front office and coach on certain things. I mean, I think it happens all the time. So whatever the new report is, you know, Jay Glazer had it, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Jay's right. I'm sure there is some tension there for whatever reason it is. All I know is this, Sean. Harbaugh's been there for three years, and they've been in the title game three years in a row in the Super Bowl once, and they were a catch away from going to the Super Bowl and a catch away from winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know what kind of internal strife is going on, but I think the 49ers are crazy if they're thinking about getting rid of Jim Harbaugh. I mean, this is an organization with all their proud history that was in a really terrible time for a decade before he got there. So I didn't feel it, you know, for the couple hours that we were there talking to him. Doesn't say it doesn't exist, but for me, I don't care if it exists. They have a winning thing going on here, and I think they'd be crazy to break it up. Yeah, and I think Sean Payton made sure that we were all aware of that yesterday in his visit with us. As well. Uh, Kevin Burkhart here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Speaking of Sean Payton and now turning our attention to the Saints, uh, Kevin, in your study this week, and I know there's more work to do, uh, what are you learning and what are you uh, expecting to see from New Orleans here this weekend? 
I just love that they've gotten back to the running game, Sean. You know, I mean, you know this. You know, when they won the Super Bowl, they were good. I mean, they were, you know, top six or seven in the league in most running categories. And and I think that's really, you know, that's really who they are. You look at the Saints from the outside, from the people who just watch them on a national level. You see Drew Brees. You see them throwing it all over the yard. And, and of course, they're they're great at that. But really, I think anyway, when they've had success, it's been running the ball. And that, that's got to be a staple of what they are. And, you know, in a way, with Thomas and, and Robinson out, even though those guys are really good, especially with Thomas on third down, I think it's been a blessing for them. You know, uh, Ingram has shown stuff that he hasn't shown the entire time he's been in New Orleans the last couple of weeks, and I think it's been a really good thing. So I think that running game going has been huge. I think defensively, you know, they're starting to they're starting to come together and play a little bit better. Um, you know, getting that pass rush going, you've seen it with Gillette and Jordan the last couple of weeks. That's been big for them. Um, so I think there's a lot of key things going on here. And then I think, too, you know, look, you look at the beginning of the year, and, and you know, you were there obviously calling these games. But the game in Atlanta was just an unbelievable, crazy back-and-forth game. You know, it happened. And, and then they go, if you throw out the Dallas game, they lost, what, three road games by six points? Um, and granted, there were some bad ones. They blew a big lead in Detroit. They weren't playing great. But it's not like I ever thought the Saints were so far away. You know, I, I just think they're doing a lot of things better right now. Defensively, pass rush, running the football, and then Breeze is Breeze. So I like what I see watching the last few games. When you come in for your production meetings with them tomorrow, what, what questions do you want to ask? What do you want to learn that you don't know already, I guess? You know, that's a really good question, and, and honestly, i got a plane ride in New Orleans later today, and usually that's when I sit down and really think about it, you know. Um, I try to ask some pointed questions. You know, it, it, we have it where, you know, John basically runs the meeting, you know. Uh, he's so prepared, and he'll kind of take it in his direction, and then usually I have a lot of questions off that. Um, you know, some things that are, um, you know, obviously specifics about games or specifics that I saw, um, and, and, you know, obviously I watch the game a little bit different than John does. So it, it, I like getting the different responses from them. They're great with that. Um, I also like to get sometimes some of the stories behind the scenes, you know, and, and they're real good with that too. I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing going in is when, you know, Thomas gets healthy, when Robinson gets healthy and Sean, you probably know better than me if those guys are going to be healthy enough to play on <laughs> Sunday at this point, Yeah, but you know, do you stay with Ingram? Does does he become the horse now? And do you, do you do you stay with him for the most part and try and ride him like he's like he's been running the last couple of weeks? That for me is a fascinating storyline with the Saints. Certainly one to check out, especially after what thirty some carries, thirty carries, I guess it was against Carolina for uh, Mark Ingram. Yeah. Uh, and, and you already know this. I, I was just blown away when I we got to the end of that game in Charlotte, and that was there was the realization that no other running back had carried it that many times in a game in Sean Payton's run in New Orleans. I was like, really? The first time? I could, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I it, could not believe yeah. it. I mean, I, I saw the stat. I wrote it on my on my boards. It was it was um, Deuce McAllister, I think, was the last one to do it. Yep. Um, I have to double check. I mean, that's astonishing to me. But I guess when you think about it, you know what? They've always had the extra couple backs. They've always had Thomas and Darren Sproles and all these guys, and Reggie Bush. And, you know, they've always had a few different rotations, which has worked for them. So, this is very, very intriguing to me. I'm just curious to see how, how it works out, especially when these guys get back. So uh, that's going to be my number one thing. You know, I think uh, I think a lot of things, it's cool, too. The one thing about Peyton, and you know this, he is so good with the media. He's a, he's a treat to meet with because he comes in and he'll just go on. He's a storyteller, man. And, and you just sit there and, and you, I could talk for hours about our meetings with him. He's great. 
Well, I hope it goes just as well tomorrow. And and do I have this correctly? This is your first time to New Orleans, Kevin? You believe that? I've never, all the traveling I've done, I've never been to New Orleans, not one time. And we've had, what, four or five Saint games, Sean, in the last two years. And every one of them has been on the road. So I am really, really looking forward to coming uh, tonight. It's going to be fun. All right. So, I mean, just before we get off the phone here, of course, uh, I have to ask. I mean, obviously you have a lot of work to do, but certainly there's got to be something you want to see or do while you're here for the first time, correct? Well, I'd like to eat a lot, <laughs> if, that, if, that's a, if that's all right. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the good news is that, uh, you know, John has placed the call to uh, – uh, to the Mannings to get the, the, the restaurant recommendations. So I, I think we're probably going to gain a couple pounds this weekend. That's my guess. There's no doubt. And I think that you did float earlier in the week on Twitter uh, that you were looking for suggestions. What kind of responses did you get? Oh, my God. I got a, a, a great responses. I actually have them all. I'm going to go through them on the plane and, and <laughs> kind of write a bunch down. I mean, people were great. I got everything from breakfast to, to late night to dinner. So, yeah, I, I unfortunately, I'm only there for a couple of days and, and – that's first in with meetings, so I'm going to have to pick two, maybe three out of all that. But uh, I have plenty to pick from, Sean. Let's, let's say that. I'll leave that up to you and a wonderful plane ride today. Safe travel. And, Kevin, as always, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Always a pleasure. You know that. Be good, man. Hey, you too. Oh, by the way, one more thing. Uh, you must have all this free time now that baseball's over, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how that is. Just, just sitting at home, <laughs> doing nothing. It's it's obviously a little a little bit easier. The schedule has lightened up, but you know, prepping for these games, man, it's uh, it's a full time job. I love it though; it's the best. He's one of the best, that's for sure. From the NFL on Fox, and of course, baseball coverage on Fox and otherwise. That's uh, Kevin Burkhardt. He'll be with uh, John and company on uh, the broadcast on Sunday. Safe travel again, Kevin, and thanks again. Good luck to you. Thank you, Sean. See ya. Yep, Kevin Burkhardt with us here on the Black and Blue Report. More to come. A lot of more to come. Stay with us. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana with more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region. Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, our next guest here on the Black and Blue Report could go by a number of different titles. Of course, NBA veteran, sharpshooter, 3D, all of that stuff. But let's just start with NBA television analyst Dennis Scott. He's with us for the first time. Dennis, welcome in. So glad you could join us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. We really enjoy your work and all the work that you guys are doing at NBA TV. And certainly early in the season, it's great to have you on. And I guess I'm curious as to your thoughts on how the how the season has started across the league. Any surprises? What big storylines are on your brain? 
Well, I mean, the obvious one is in, in Cleveland, but that that's too easy. Uh, I, I like what uh, Steve Kerr has done already with Golden State. Uh, the Houston Rockets being 5-0 and uh, is, is a pretty pretty good start for them because we all question will they be able to play the kind of defense they need to play to really get you know become their next uh, upper echelon team, if you will. And, of course, you know, the guy that you see every night, Anthony Davis, those first two games really took people by storm and saying, wait a minute, maybe people are right that after LeBron, after KD, and obviously KD, Kevin Durant's hurt, Anthony Davis is really the next guy you really want to start talking about. Uh, it's crazy to think like that, just I guess because I saw him from day one, and, and while I've appreciated all of it, and and some of the talk that we heard during the FIBA World Cup was, I guess, interesting, Dennis, in that that's something we saw here locally in New Orleans after the All-Star break last year. Um, but maybe I'm being naive, or maybe I'm not truly appreciating what I get to see every night, and that is what Anthony Davis has become. Um, why is he now standing... Uh, above the shoulders of perhaps some of the other big names that we discuss on a regular basis? Because he fits in that same category with the rest of those guys when we say he's it. He has the it factor. What is the it factor? He's a superstar. He works hard every day. He's in the gym early. He's in the gym late. He's gotten with Monty Williams. He's understanding the NBA game inside and out. His body is starting to catch up with his intellect. His offensive game is starting to catch up with his defensive prowess. So what you're witnessing in New Orleans is something very special, very special for me back in the day watching Shaq and Penny, you know, guys that are just rare talents that you don't get a chance to see very often. So hopefully, you know, Mr. Benson from the top all the way down understands how special of a talent he is and make sure you take good care of him. And the reason I say that is very similar to what goes on OKC and how a lot of the speculation that KD is going to leave and go to Washington, D.C., where he's from, but at the end of the day, Anthony Davis loves New Orleans, and I think you have a gem in him. And just make sure you take good care of him. I think that process is underway. I'm happy to objectively report on that. Um, Dennis, <laughs> when, when, when you look at uh, Davis and the style of game that he plays, which is kind of I, – I, I don't want to sound negative on this, but it's kind of all over the map, and that's a good thing. What do you think mm-hmm. opposing teams are going to try and do against him now defensively? Well, they're going to try to put – uh, uh, as, well, should I say, athletic guys on him. But I think defensively, they're going to put bigger guys. Like the other night when he was trying to guard Zach Randolph in Memphis, his physicality and banging with him kind of got him in early foul trouble. So if you can get Anthony Davis in early foul trouble, now he becomes a little tentative to, on the defensive end as far as blocking shots and being aggressive. But if you don't get him in foul trouble, he's showing you that, to your point, he can run the floor, he can guard basically – some ones, but not a lot of ones, some ones all the way down to five, depending on how big the five is. So that's why you want to keep him in a situation where he stays out of foul trouble and not being too physical with guys like Zach Randolph. Pelicans next action is on Saturday night, of course, against San Antonio, and from the AT&T Center, NBA TV will be carrying it. Uh, and That's at 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern time. Uh, Dennis, what's next for the Pelicans here? As, as far as the Western Conference, and I know this is a tall order, but to make the playoff picture, um, stretching now from November all the way to April, um, what in your eyes, from the outside looking in, needs to go around Davis, needs to be added to this team, or, or are they there and is health the only issue now left for Monty Williams' team? Well, you hit around here. The obvious is the health. They have to be healthy. They cannot have any major or minor injuries by 
by any of their key guys, from Drew Holiday to Tyreek to Gordon to Ashik to Davis, those guys, and even Ryan Anderson, bless his heart, he's fought back to get back on the floor and, and be effective. All those guys I just mentioned have to stay healthy and play at a high level because of the Western Conference being so steep. If they were in the East, they'd probably be a sixth seed easily. But because of the West, I still have them squeaking in being an eighth seed. But right now, today, you can look. Look at Dallas at 3-1 and one in the eighth, and San Antonio 1-1, one and one, the Pelicans 2-2. Two and two. So they got a lot of work to do, but it can be done. Dennis, is it conceivable that all the teams in the Southwest Division are in the playoffs? Is it, can that work in any way? If you look at Memphis off to their best start in franchise history, you mentioned Houston at 5-0, and oh, Dallas has improved, and then nobody's ready to kick dirt on the Spurs yet, uh, rightfully so. No, you're never going to you're never ever going to kick the, uh, dirt on the Spurs. But to your question, it can happen. It is one of these things where the Western Conference is, is so tough; they're going to beat each other up all year long. To your point, which which team can stay healthy enough to withstand this long season? Because they're going to beat each other up all season long in the Western Conference. Dennis, let me go back to the layup early in our visit here. You mentioned the easy one was LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. After the Pelicans see San Antonio Saturday night on NBA TV, they'll travel to Cleveland and see the Cavs for the first time on Monday. Um, this uh, talk here about LeBron James's start to the season and what he's doing or not doing, what do you make of the Cavaliers here early on? Well, the Cavaliers are trying to figure out, which I mean is Kevin Love and and Kyrie Irving, and I think I'm going to throw Varejao and Tristan Thompson in there because those are the guys really that will play the bulk of the minutes and really trying to figure out. Coach Platt has to figure out which combination fits with LeBron. They haven't shot the ball particularly well. LeBron is trying to figure out how do I incorporate these guys because now I have to start all over on teaching guys who have never been to the playoffs how to get there, where at least D-Wade and Bosch have taken teams to the playoffs by themselves where Kyrie and Love have it. So they're trying to figure that out. So that's why I'm not nitpicking on them right now, because I say to myself, the first time the big three in Miami came together, the first 17 games, they were 9-18, and 18, and we were ready to blow up the team, and they went all the way to the finals, obviously losing to Dallas. So that's why I don't want to poke too much, but I think LeBron is realizing it's hard to change people's stripes overnight, especially if they've never won before. Great point. Great point. I know I know all of us get excited this time of year because we love having the NBA back. But, man, can we overanalyze the first couple of games or what? I mean, what? There's like <laughs> 70-some games to that's go That's what most. we do. That's what we get paid to do. And that's the fun part about our job is that after the first week, we want Dwight to be doing this. We want – you know, we want uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets to be playing faster. We want this. I mean, that's what we do, and, and we're happy now, to your point, is back. Because if you're an NFL guy, after the first eight weeks of the NFL, you kind of know who's going to be in the playoffs and who's not. Now you're ready for the NBA to start. You can catch Dennis on NBA TV game time Friday night, 11 Eastern, 10 Central, with uh, Matt Weiner and our old friend uh, Steve Smith. Uh, one other thing that I want to point out before we get out of here today, Dennis, and that is uh, the show that's on NBA TV that's kind of a throwback, at least in my eyes, and that's Inside Stuff. I'm not so sure everybody's gotten the word on it and why they haven't, I don't know, because it's fantastic. Tell us more about Inside Stuff. And, of course, uh, there's a particular guest this week that I think that most folks around here in the Gulf South will be happy to hear about. <laughs> well, Inside Stuff, to your point, is a show that I, I was – blessed to be on back in my playing days in the 90s. And it just really gives you a, a, a real behind-the-scenes, in-depth look at your favorite player or team 
you know, guys are being entrepreneurs, restaurants, you know, music business, clothing line, uh, Bosch has a tie line. So you really get a chance to see your favorite NBA player in a different light. And so Anthony Davis this week, Dennis, is that right? I think we got Anthony Davis coming this week. We got Dwight Howard coming this week. So I can't give all the secrets. Make sure you tune in Saturday noon Eastern time. We'll do it. NBA TV, inside stuff. And again, we'll look forward to you after the games on Friday night. And then we look forward to uh, Pelicans and Spurs on Saturday. Dennis, enjoyed our first ever visit. And I look forward to more down the road. Keep up the great work, will you? Well, please make sure you bring me back again, please. I sure will. That's a promise. NBA TV analyst Dennis Scott with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Back in a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly and this is the Black and Blue Report. Well, if you thought today's show was pretty good, um, I would say, based on the guests that we had, uh, tomorrow's show is going to be just as much fun. Tomorrow we'll talk NBA with Mark Stein from ESPN. We'll also talk the NFL with Jimmy Johnson. That's right. Jimmy Johnson is here with us. Uh, John DeShazer will visit with him tomorrow. Uh, He's in town taping something with head coach Sean Payton for the Fox NFL pregame show uh, this weekend. So, Jimmy Johnson on the show tomorrow. Monty Williams, head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, and a whole lot more. Speaking of Monty Williams, the Monty Williams radio show is tonight uh, in New Orleans on 105.3 WWL-FM. That goes from 8 until 8.30. We'll uh, have our longest visit of the week with the head coach. We'll play some highlights from this uh, past week's games and a whole lot more. Hope you'll join us for that. Am I forgetting anything else, Daniel, here before we leave him? on the podcast thumbs up says diesel so we shall move on enjoy the rest of your thursday can't wait to be with you tomorrow um hope you enjoyed today's show and i hope you'll return for a lot more on the friday edition for all involved here of course daniel sallers and our guests today jim henderson kevin burkhart dennis scott i'm sean kelly so long for just a while Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.